it's Thursday. I was off last week. I was in LA and uh, I figure I'll keep going with the uh, once a week real man sports podcast due to overwhelming demand. It's actually not true. I haven't heard anybody say anything, uh, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, it's weird. You know, I'm a lazy person. Like I don't really have a job. You know, I don't really uh, feel like I do much of anything, but somehow if I'm just going to do my two podcasts a week and go to the track and run and write my columns and post on my real man sports site. Somehow it, things just get done. It's a very strange phenomenon. You kind of just have things that you want to do during the week, during the day, and you're not really capable of doing them because you're too lazy. And yet suddenly they get done and crossed up the list and they're done. And then every single thing is done. And then you end up having some creative ideas and doing something else extra. And that creates more work because you get feedback and interaction. And then suddenly you've got this body of work over time. And uh, it just kind of happens by itself. It's very strange. But I'm super lazy. I do nothing. But I just put on my list this week that I was going to keep going with these Thursday Real Man Sports podcast. So I'm going to do it. Give you kind of a brief state of the state. Uh, I, I posted my profit and loss uh, for the year. It's like I lost like a thousand bucks during football, all told. I'm a little bitter about the uh, NFSC playoff contest. I don't care about the cheating. That didn't affect anything. But uh, that I finished like 363rd out of like 2,000 or however many teams there are. Because I had Mahomes at 4X and McCaffrey. Like I had the right guys. And I originally had Josh Allen Mahomes. And I think that would have been better than Lamar Jackson, even though Jackson got farther. Jackson did so little in his 3x game against the Chiefs. Um, anyway, draft cheat won that contest, and uh, I like that guy. And I'm glad he, I'm glad you know, if someone had to win besides me, that he won it. But I'm a little pissed. I feel like I got the playoffs right. I, I picked the Chiefs with the seven percent Patrick Mahomes, and it was only good for like 363rd place. And uh, it's a bit annoying. I guess I didn't bring Kelsey along with them at you know, I brought uh, Rasheed Rice instead. Uh, as the uh, as the second guy the following week. And then, um, yeah, the Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson swap. I did that because I realized that, you know, that either Mahomes or Allen would get eliminated in the second round. And Allen went bananas for the two games he played. So I made a couple of other mistakes. But still, still, I thought I would be doing better. So uh, it's going to make me rethink that contest because I thought really the point of that contest was to get the – Super Bowl matchup correct, which I largely did. Um, and then you win, but I wasn't even that close. I mean, if I were like 15th, I'd be like, okay, I barely missed, but I missed by a lot. So anyway, a little annoyed about that. Overall football was a loss. Um, I uh, 11th place tied for first in my league overall in basketball, 11th overall with Sasha. Our team's good. I, you know, that. A little wary of some of the playing time stuff down the stretch. We have a bunch of injuries now, but I think a lot of guys are going to come back after the break. We'll see with Clint Capella and Chris Middleton, maybe. Um, Bradley Beal's questionable. Gordon Hayward, White Kobe is coming back for us. Someone on uh, Twitter said that Gordon Hayward's White Kobe, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. So we're hoping White Kobe gives us a lift. But uh, that's really it for hoops. We're just kind of, it's just fun, you know, and it's actually easy to manage. It's not that much work. I guess we've been lucky for the most part with injuries, haven't had to uh, be on the wire that much. But 
it's been a good season so far. We got about 30 games left, got to close strong. And I know that April week where, you know, everyone's sitting is going to be a pain, but we'll see. Hopefully we're in good shape when we get there. All right. But I mostly want to talk baseball because, um, I already did a beat Chris list. Um, I already live streamed that wrote it up. Uh, I've got my main event, uh, team booked, paid for in late March. And I've got uh, another beat Chris list coming up on Wednesday and today's Thursday. So six days from now. And I just want to talk overall strategy and rounds. I hope nobody who's in the leagues that I'm in is listening to this, but probably they are because the people who buy beat Christmas leagues tend to be the people who listen to my podcast, but is what it is. Um, I get free leagues and I guess part of my job is to uh, discuss the NFFC and give, give away some information and um, that's just how it goes. So let's get into some of that. I'm, you know, just kind of leaving the KDS alone, like just one through 12. I might tweak it so that I go one, 12, 11, 10, um, because I like some guys at the end of the draft, end of the first round and uh, beginning of the second. So maybe I'll do that. But obviously, I think Acuna is just too much of an advantage not to uh, pretty much everyone's going to have one, you know, the first pick as their first choice. Um, after Acuna, I don't love Wit. I think I would take Julio Rodriguez. I also think that outfield is more scarce than shortstop. And they're basically kind of the same player. Um, so I would take Julio second. I took Carroll at eight in my uh, in my league. He's a guy going fourth. There was some question about his shoulder injury. I'm not too worried about that, but uh, Bears watching. He did fall off in the second half. But the, the flip side of that is he's completely healthy. Maybe he just you know has two first halves and has a monster monster year. And the bags, you know, he could lead the league in stolen bases too. Um, I don't love Kyle Tucker. Seems like too much of a safe pick. I want a little more upside. I'd rather have Mookie Betts who can hit 310, score, you know, 125 runs. Uh, I take him over Tucker, even though Tucker's going ahead of Betts. And then Mookie has the uh, middle infield, second base eligibility too. Strider's the only pitcher going in the first round, going seventh. I could do it. Um, I'm not in love with it, um, especially in the 12, and especially because there's only three pitchers going in the uh, first two rounds. It, it's kind of um, counterintuitive, but if there's fewer pitchers going early, I'd rather wait. You don't have to get one of those guys. Yeah, it's an advantage to get him, but I kind of rather be with the crowd in these category leagues and do well enough at pitching. So I probably won't take him where he's going. I mean, maybe at pick 12 I might, but not seven. I uh, love Tatis at eight. Would have taken him if uh, Corbin Carroll wasn't there. I think, you know, he, he almost did 30-30 last year, but despite missing like the first 20 games of suspension. So coming back from it, he could be like Acuna. Remember Acuna was just so-so coming back from the knee injury and then went bananas the year after that. And I think Tatis could be similar. Um, we'll have some Tatis this year. I think if he's healthy, the floor is still going to be 30-30 and there's, you know, 40-40 and, and above ceiling. So I'm not uh, worried about that at all. Who the hell is calling me? Stop calling me. Um, okay, and then uh, Aaron Judge is going ninth. I'm kind of, I mean, obviously, if he stays healthy the whole year, probably the favorite to lead the majors and homers and going to score a ton of runs. And then with Soto hitting ahead of him, he may get a lot of RBIs too. Um, I just, I don't like the injury profile every year that he ages. He's not the DH. So I'm not out on Judge, but I kind of rather have Soto 
left-handed hitter going to Yankee Stadium from Petco. And I think that uh, he could have the really monster year. He could hit 46 home runs and bat 330 or something. I think Soto is um, prime for a career year this year. That's the guy I really like late. Freddie Freeman's going 11. Um, no problem with that. Just a year older, a little bit of like drop-off risk. Um, then Otani at 12. I love Otani. I was watching him hit batting practice. The angle that they showed him, he was just crushing the ball, the opposite field even. And the angle they showed him was kind of looking up at him from behind. And you think he's kind of a skinny guy. Like I was kind of thought he's like all arms and just like leverage from his, you know, six, five or whatever he is, six, six. Uh, but then you see his legs and his calves are like tree trunks. I mean, his legs are strong and, and he's just crushing those balls. And I was like, <laughs> I, I get it. You know, I get why this guy's the could hit 45, 50 home runs and hit 300. And now you put him in this lineup. Now it's not as good a park. I think uh, Anaheim was really good for left-handed power, but it's not like he was hitting wall scrapers either. I mean, he was just booming it out of there. And, uh, you know, you, ha you finally have, you know, Mookie and Freeman hitting around him. Uh, it's pretty sick. I, I could also see like Freeman Otani at the turn and, and um, stacking those two guys. That would be kind of fun too. Uh, but I, I really like Otani. And uh, it'll be interesting to see like how it affects him if he's not pitching at all, just DH. Like, is it going to help uh, or is he going to lose a little focus? I don't know. So, um. I like Otani. I wonder if he'll play some outfield too and get eligibility eventually since he's not pitching. We'll see. Uh, all right. Uh, probably not though because the Tommy John, they probably don't want him throwing the ball at all. Trey Turner's going to the second round. It's fine where he's getting picked. I'm not really excited to take him there, but it's it's fine. I'm out on Jose Ramirez. Uh, I, I don't see huge home run steals. I see 25-25 and then batting average could be, you know, 275 280 and then you're kind of docked on the runs and ribbies based on the team around him so ramirez is kind of not a guy i'm interested in even there i like olsen again won't hit 54 but he gave 45 garrett cole second round looks pretty good to me harper i took in the first draft um i think first base is scarce get batting average even runs a bit um good park nothing really against harper um, i like him in that second round Alvarez goes next. I uh, I like him, but you're not getting any steals. And, you know, you're getting injury risk. I guess there's probably a 40 home run, 320 season in there, but bad park, injury risk, no running. It's where he should go about there. But I, I give me Harper who runs a bit. You know, give me Olsen who is in a better park, better lineup. Not excited about Alvarez. Austin Riley's fine. You start getting a little bit second half of the second round is where it drops off. So I really might go like 112, my KDS. I could take Burns in Baltimore though, too. That's the last guy I would take. Um, not really excited about Albies, Devers, Alonzo, uh, Lindor. Those guys are all kind of going where they should, but there's nothing that exciting. I guess Lindor with the power speed, but the Mets just a mediocrity this year. I like Wheeler early third. I'm kind of out in Ellie De La Cruz. I mean, obviously the stolen base upside is off the charts, but um, I, I just don't know that he won't hit 215. And there's just no need to do that there. Um, Semyon's there. Uh, I don't like Luis Castillo. Too many walks. Gaussman has been really good. 
I feel like he's kind of due for a bad year, but it's kind of just superstition. Robert, mid-third is probably fair. He's been hurt so much. I like Michael Harris. Kind of out on Vlad, maybe in mid-third, mid to late third, he's worth it. Gunnar Henderson, I, I heard Scott Jenstad at the steak dinner making the case for him. Wasn't really targeting him before that. I guess he had a strong second half under the hood. Um, CJ Abrams, I like late in the third. Um, the steals are kind of guaranteed and um, going to play. You know, he's on Washington. Prospect on Washington is going to play. Um, all right. Kirby, I like. He's going last. George Kirby with good uh, whip. Um, Altuve, start of the fourth. Probably fine, but, you know, you're always worried about that cliff with the older players. Pablo Lopez, probably passing on the career year uh, at that price. Bo Bichette, fine for a bounce back. I wonder why I didn't run last year. I took Gallon and Glass now, next two pitchers in the third and fourth in my first draft, in on them. I had totally forgotten about Yamamoto. I have to look into him again. Not sure where I would take him as you get into the fourth round. I'm just going to, I'm not going to go through every player anymore. I'm just going to go through some guys I like um, at the price. I got Machado at round six, and he's going early five now. Um, I think that's kind of rock solid in those middle rounds. Nolan Jones, I like. Um, I like Rutschman, but I don't think I'm, I think I'm going to wait on catcher. There are too many good options for both catchers. You don't need to take one in the fifth round. Uh, other guys, I'm not going to take Peralta. I like him, but he uh, gets hurt too much. Trout is interesting in round five. Um, can he stay healthy? Not loving any of these other guys. Looking at Max Freed in round six, I like. It seems like one of those rock-solid pitchers on a great team to get you wins. I uh, won't get you a ton of strikeouts, but that's okay. Um, Jazz Chisholm, uh, upside, probably would take him in the sixth. Probably not taking a closer till about the eighth. I'm looking at these other guys in the sixth. I mean, you got to take somebody. I might take Blake Snell, depending where, you know, you're going to have to gamble on where he signs. Um, I took Josh Lowe in the fifth in my first draft. He's going early seven. I wasn't looking at ADP in that draft. I still like Lowe. I mean, you got the speed is kind of locked in and he's got some pop. He probably won't hit 290 or whatever he hit last year, but, um, you know, if you can hit 260, 270, you're fine. The power speed in early round seven. I like him. Uh, who else do I like in round seven? Nobody really. You know, this guy's like Yelich is fine. Goldschmidt, real muto. All these guys are older. I tend to like to get um, a lot of outfielders early, first baseman, corners, wait on the middles, wait, you know, get one or two good pitchers and then wait on pitching to the middle rounds, wait on closers to about round eight. I got Paul Seawald round eight. That's where he's going. Um, I think that's fine. And then in the 12, you can kind of get, uh, you know, a little, little gambly with the second closer, try to find one. Um, I took Jordan Walker round seven. He's going round nine. But, you know, the difference between round seven and round 10, 11 is not that steep. So don't, don't feel bad about reaching for a guy in round seven who goes round nine. That's, you know, if that were an auction, it would be a couple bucks. It's not a big deal. Um, Tanner Bybee, I had last year on my main event team, Dustin Wagner picked him up and turned out to be really good. I take him in round nine. Uh, I like, uh, Jordan Walker. I just think, you know, he got sent down last year, came back and hit He's 21, 22, even runs a bit hit for average all through the minors at 270 last year as a rookie. Um, he's like six, four, I mean, should have pop needs to elevate the ball, but 
I mean, he could go bananas. He kind of guy that could win the MVP in year two. I mean, serious upside as a prospect. Um, so round nine, that seems like kind of an easy call. Uh, other guys, Justin Steele is kind of cheap for what he put up last year. I know he's been banged up a bit, but um, that seems like you're not really paying up for what he did. Kind of like pitchers like that that people are doubting uh, more than the guys who had a career year and you're, you know, like Freddie Peralta and you're paying around five prices. But then again, five to nine isn't that huge of a thing, but prefer Steele in round nine. Um, just kind of looking at this board. I like Kimbrell as closer in Baltimore around 10. I love Jackson Churio. I mean, Jackson Churio reminds me two, of two years ago, Julio Rodriguez. He went in round 10 in my main event. So he was going around like 13, 14, 15 in the 12 teams. And he went like 30, 30 or close to it, 2022. Um, you know, I know there's all the Derek Cardi studies and, you know, oh, you know, for every Tatis and Acuna, and Julio Rodriguez, there's, you know, a lot of Buxtons and Vlad Guerreros and other disappointing rookies with massive pedigrees that we thought couldn't miss. But I don't know, Churio, you just look at his minor league numbers, just seems like he's he's mispriced, in my opinion. I like Torkelson, really came out in the second half last year, was a big-time prospect. Um, round 10 seems pretty good, good, good cost. I like Chris Sale in Atlanta. I like Kettle Marte. I love these guys in round 10. I like Sonny Gray, Bryson Stott, all these young hitters and uh, some upside. I mean, I'd rather like get like, if we were an auction, I would just skip rounds like six through nine and just buy all the guys in round 10. Um, round 11, uh, I picked Carlos Rodon. It was a reach at the time, but now it is actually going in round 11. Uh, his velocity is good. And, you know, just forget about last year's numbers. He was just hurt. I like Rodon quite a bit. And by the way, these the ADP that I'm using is last six days on the NFC. It's 11 online championship league. So I think that's a rough, good rough estimate of where things are going. Um, who else? Teoscar Hernandez I normally don't like, but now with the Dodgers, he's going to get a lot of RBIs hitting behind those guys. Um, Verlander came down with an injury. He's old. I still like him in round 11. Um, he slipped a little bit maybe, but I'm probably still in as long as no, there's no further bad news. Um, looking at this, Walker Bueller is interesting. I kind of think the price is right on him in round 13. They say he won't start the year with the team, but that's just because the Dodgers are so deep. They know they're going to win 100 games and they want him for the playoffs. Um, you know, it's it's really hard to stash guys coming back from injuries and prospects in this league, and you, and then you get injuries to good players and you're – bench and your maneuverability gets really thin but um bueller i don't know as long as it's known in advance you know when they're going to rest him and not um you'll be all right um it's just if they if it's unpredictable that's where it's really bad where he throws like you know a 10 strikeout one run game seven innings and they didn't announce till thursday that he was starting and you had him on your bench that would be frustrating I uh, kind of like Bieber in round 13, kind of like the buy low on some of these pitchers. Um, trying to see who else gets a later rounds. Don't love these guys. I mean, I haven't done, I did some, I like Alec Bohm. I took him in the first league. I like batting average guys. You know, a guy can hit 270, 280, no problem. Um, 
just really saves you a lot of headaches. Josh Naylor, I like. It's going around 11. Give me somebody who can hit for average. Um, Bohm doesn't have as much power, but you know, if you can, if you can, I can figure out the the power a little bit later. The steals are easier this in this environment, but I don't want to have my average drag down, or I at least want the optionality of drafting Giancarlo Stanton later, um, or big time, you know, power, bad average guy. Um, so I tend to go for the guys with a decent average. I like Kelnick this year. I drafted him in the other league. It's just big time prospect gets out of Seattle, goes to a good team, good park. It's just a situation where you could see him completely develop and be like, oh yeah, that was the guy all along. Um, just, you know, you're just looking for seismic upside, difference making upside um, from some of these guys. Vaughn Grissom, I like him going to Boston, probably getting a full-time job. Um, guy who can hit a bit had a chance to take him and i foolishly uh passed on him last time uh, in the last draft uh, i kind of like the tigers this year i, I like kenta maeda i like i don't like scuba where he's going i don't like that he's throwing 99 i mean yeah obviously that's good in the short term but to me that's like arm is going to fall off like i like the guys who are throwing i like the guys who are elite at 93 94 that's my favorite kind of pitcher 90 92, 93, 94, uh, but they have elite numbers. You, you got to throw 99. Um, I'm always worried you're going to get hurt. So Scooble, I'm a little nervous about, but the Tigers seem like they have good pitching. And, uh, you know, Torkelson is is there and Riley Green, um, you know, looks like he's going to be healthy close to the start of the season. I kind of think they're kind of a good bet to win the uh, the Central. Not any strong teams there. So I might get some Tigers. Uh, who else am I looking at? Haven't really loved a lot of the guys deeper in the draft. I guess Jonathan India is kind of a, a mini power speed guy that's cheap. They didn't trade him. They're going to play him all over the infield. Maybe maybe uh, he doesn't get enough regular bats. Usually injuries take care of that. But I ended up passing on him and settling for Jorge Blanco a few rounds later in my draft. And wasn't thrilled about that, but is what it is. Uh, I'm out on the Max Scherzers and all the Kershaws and all the guys are going to be back, you know, midseason. I just don't think you can uh, wait on them. Bueller may be the exception because he's not really hurt. They're just easing him in. It's just a, a workload management thing. But in general, like you can't wait till July for somebody. And, and who is Max Scherzer or Kershaw anymore at this stage after the injuries? Um, closers. I like those San Diego closers. I don't buy, uh, Robert Suarez as the guy. He had a chance to be the guy, um, last couple years and, and wasn't. Um, and I always feel like that's kind of a tell, um, that he doesn't really want to be the closer that badly. I guess Hader was there, so that blocked him, but, um, that, you know, he didn't, they didn't just, they signed somebody. So I in my draft, I drafted uh, the two Asian guys, uh, Matsui, and uh, there's a guy, I don't even remember his name, um, a guy from, the I think, the Korean League. And uh, both those, you know, both those guys were closers, and I think they're going to, you know, they'll, they'll take the job, in my opinion. I'm going to look at bounce back guys like Alec Manoa. I know he was absolutely horrendous last year, but pitchers are very volatile year to year, and 
you know, could get shape, something changed, realize what's wrong, whatever. Um, I'm in on guys like that. I also like mentioned this many times, the old war horse closer. I like David Robinson over, uh, Jose Leclerc. Um, and Robertson is quite a bit cheaper actually. So those are some of the closers I'll be speculating on. I kind of like Luis Severino this year, but truth be told, I'm not going to pay up because it's been so long since he was good and healthy. And, you know, you, you know, if it's been a year, if a guy had a bad year, okay, no problem. I'm, I'm back in the next year. But when it's been like four years since he's been anything, that's, that's a little tougher to take. But I still like the upside. I'm just wondering whether he's got really a uh, career anymore. And that's always, you know, you could have one bad start. He gets blown up and you're like, oh, yeah, he's done. What was I thinking? But he's still a bit on my radar. There's one other guy I was looking at in that vein, bounce back guy, Lance Lynn, man, my, the guys running my teams will kill me. If I take Lance Lynn, I put them through so much with Lance Lynn because <laughs> Lance Lynn would strike out like 15 guys, you know, in a random start, he was a good strikeout guy. And then he would get absolutely destroyed and it's hard to sit a guy like that. So it was a real problem. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to draft any, you know, Paul Skeens or any pirates guys or A's pitchers. Um, pretty much when you're drafting starting pitchers, unless they're elite, elite, you're not doing it for the whip and ERA. You're really not going to gain much in whip and ERA. So you're really doing it for strikeouts and wins. But then if you're on a terrible team, you can't get wins. And so then you're really just doing it for strikeouts and you get this one category guy. Um, and that's if he's good. And so it's just, it's just a hard sell. I, I rather get a mediocre guy on a good team, um, back into the rotation on the Astros or the, Braves or the Dodgers and take my chances because you're going to get the win. And, and if the guy ends up being better than you thought, you know, you can get the whole thing. Whereas on the bad teams, like your upside is so capped with these starters. So that's just uh, a thought. I like Mitch Garver. He's going to DH, can hit, he's hit in a couple different years. And um, you, you love the catchers that don't actually have to play catcher. Not a great park, but uh, I like Garver going in the 16th round. Got him in the uh, in the other league. I'm I'm pretty happy with a lot of the catchers. I don't mind in the twelve at least waiting a long time on catcher, just seeing what what's available. It's not that bad. Um, that's really it. Those are my main thoughts. I mean, I don't think I think baseball is mostly won and lost on the ten guys you really like and the ten guys you really don't want, and then everything else is ADP and market based. You just let the market dictate to you. You know, some guy falls two rounds. And you're like, wow, I guess I'll just take him. He's there um, and just profit take. But go get your guys, those 10 that you think are under, you know, mispriced and then avoid those 10 you think are mispriced in the other direction. And uh, and that's really it. I don't think you, you need to have a strong take on everybody in the pool. And, and I was, I've said this before, but I think it was kind of a handicap uh, when I was hosting with Jeff on XM because you know, we'd have guests on and, you know, in the course of months of doing baseball, basically every player in the pool would come up at some point, two hours a day, four days a week, eight hours, and you're going to get to a hundred players a week. And, you know, over the weeks, you're going to get to every player and you're going to have takes, you're going to hear other people's takes. And then you're going to have like, you know, too much, too many takes. You don't want a lot of takes. Um, baseball, it's not as efficient as like NFL betting markets. There's a little group think ADP congeals, projections come out on fan graphs all influence the market but it's a pretty 
robust market. You're not going to go in and just clean house wholesale and all the projectors and all the uh, ADPs in, in the NFFC. I, I think it's NFBC. It's a pretty strong market. Um, it's not like the nonsense with, you know, Bitcoin and, you know, medical uh, forced medical procedures where the information is so poor and people are so desperate to believe what they're told that there's a really lopsided, it's not a market, it's a giant group think and you can be right when everybody's totally wrong. It's very easy with, with things like that, where they're sort of being bribed not to see reality um, in the NFBC. Um, even those nerds who are being bribed uh, see reality just fine with, with respect to their uh, drafting. And so, you know, it's uh, it, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to kill the market. You just want to be right about a few guys in, in both directions. Um, a couple other thoughts. Uh, I was talking about Trevor Bauer, who I probably should have taken like round 25. I think, uh, Zach Waxman took him in my league at like round 28 and I just totally forgotten about him. Actually. Um, he wants to play my hunch is if he were playing, he'd be like an eighth, seventh round pick, um, sight unseen, maybe fifth or sixth, even obviously it depends a little bit on where he signed. Um, I, I, my vibe is that they're not going to sign him actually now that I'm reading about it. Um, it's, uh, it's a shame because people are like, Oh, what about the PR? Well, thing is like, he didn't do the crime. Now he, he may have done a crime that we don't know, but that's so might you, so might I, I mean, people's private lives, you don't know what goes on. So you can't, you know, there was no pri crime debt proven or even criminally charged, right? That the, even the civil suits were dropped. And it turned out that we know that the accuser lied. So we have to treat it as though he's an innocent person because he is. You're innocent until pr proven guilty. You're not proven by anything by innuendo or media. And of course, the media with Molly Knight um, believed what she probably wanted to believe and what she was incentivized to report you know, to her woke colleagues or whatever and completely helped destroy a guy's life um, based on a falsehood. So... Um, there's, there's no amount. I mean, you know, the people like that in the media, you should hold with, there, there's, you, there, you cannot hold them in too much contempt. I mean, it's truly, uh, disgusting behavior, uh, by someone who purports to be a journalist. But question for Bauer is, you know, is, you know, is anyone going to sign him? And of course they should sign him. He's eligible to play. He's obviously, um, a top 50 pitcher in the world. He may be a top 10 pitcher in the world for all we know. He's certainly top 50. He's willing to play for a minimum salary plus incentives. It's a no brainer from a baseball perspective. People are like, Oh, it's a privilege to play. It's, you know, he, it's not a right. It's like, yeah, it's a privilege to play if you're good enough. Right. It's not a privilege to play like, Oh, you need to have compliant beliefs and you need to, you know, only say the things that are part of the official religion and blah, blah, blah. No, you can say what the fuck you want. You know, any sort of political belief you want, you can't commit crimes. Um, you can't denigrate the team. You can't um, purposely do anything that gets the team sued, um, any of that stuff. But your political views, your personal views, um, those should be off limits. Now, we know as a matter of reality in society, that's not the case. Teams are fucking busybodies. Um, the, the advertisers and the fans, they go and they... They, they, you know, tag the Dodgers and, oh, he said this and he's for that. And he, he likes Trump. I don't even know if he likes Trump, but maybe he likes Trump or whatever. Um, and they try to, um, 
you know, run these campaigns and the teams are totally cowardice, cowardly and pathetic. I mean, uh, Dana White, the, uh, the UFC guy basically said, you know, one of his, uh, one of his fighters was like anti-trans or whatever. And it made some comments and someone's like, do you, you know, do you keep on a, a short leash or, you know, you worried about the, and he's like, I don't keep people on a leash. He like looked at the reporter, like, I don't know where you come from. If you're on a leash or that's like acceptable to you, but that's, you know, I don't, what, what his beliefs are, are his beliefs. And, and we don't do that here. And the reporter was just, you know, just humiliated the guy. And that's what these teams should do. Now, what would happen if they did that is, There'd be these people organizing advertiser boycotts and all the shit. But, you know, I, I think if you just stand strong and just say, fuck you, you know, like w- we don't monitor our players, political or personal beliefs. If a guy's religious and he's doesn't believe in gay marriage or this, even if you don't agree and you do believe in those things, that's fine. You know, if he's advocating for violence against gay people, that's a different level. That's not okay. But if he's just simply, I don't believe in this, it's my religion and, I don't, I don't think it should be allowed. Um, fine. You know, I mean, that's just his belief. You, you don't have to agree with him. I, I just don't think that is, I think that, you know, what he does in his personal life is outside the purview of that. And I was actually for Kaepernick. I mean, he did it during you know, official game time. He was kneeling during the national anthem. But I, I thought the message then, if, if the NFL were smart, and the teams were smart, it should have been like, yeah, we don't agree with him. But the thing about America is you can kneel during the song. You're not forced at gunpoint to um, stand up for the song. And that's why there's freedom here. And you're allowed to protest whatever you want. Now, we prefer he doesn't do it on company time. We've talked to him. But um, but the sentiment, um, whether we agree with it or not, is is his to express. And that's the difference between America and some of these autocratic countries and why um, one should stand for it. Why, why we stand for it? Cause you're allowed to kneel for it. That's why you should stand for it. That should have been the argument against Kaepernick. It would have taken the teeth out of it. And I think it would have just kind of gone away and he would have stayed in the league. He was obviously good enough to be a NFL quarterback. And I felt he was unfairly blackballed. He turned out to be kind of a tool with, you know, he sort of got, um, went a little too far with it in my opinion, but I don't think he should have been blackballed for his beliefs because I'm not a right left guy in that way. I just don't, I think Kaepernick's beliefs were, you know, in my opinion, um, you know, he wasn't advocating for violence against anybody. He wasn't advocating for anything that the NFL could be sued for. Um, and I think Bauer's the same way, right? I think, you know, Bauer, um, had some views or he may in the past have had some views or I don't know exactly. I haven't even really looked at it, but, um, but baseball should just stay out of that shit. Stop being a busybody. Mind your own business. You know, just like Dana White. Like, don't people aren't on leashes. Um, if he started cursing out fans, if he started, um, you know, having a problem in the clubhouse and um, attacking players or whatever, that would be that would be different. Or if he started denigrating the players um, on his team or being a real pain in the ass, that would be different. But in terms of just his personal views, I just think that's off limits. Baseball shouldn't be busybodying about that. And they should draw the line and they should say, okay, fine. If you don't want to advertise with us, someone else will go away. And they should publicize. They'd be so-and-so is not advertising with us because they don't like his beliefs. So now you know that. Now you know that they're that kind of company that that you know wants to get involved in these issues rather than just fucking selling their product. You know, if it's Coca-Cola or Pepsi or whatever sugar, garbage, diabetes-inducing product that's on the market, um, you know, maybe they should just sell those products and give kids diabetes and peace and not get involved with the social bullshit. How about that? You know, 
Um, it's not really their place to say what baseball players can say or not say. And, and you don't, you don't have to agree they can disagree, but to try to, uh, police everybody's beliefs and have everybody say the correct thing is a scourge. And so I'm, you know, I hope they sign Bauer. I'm not optimistic because people are cowards. I hope he does. And I'm going to be drafting him, you know, 20, you know, somewhere late, um, just because the, the risk reward is totally worth it. So. That's all I got for now. I'm going to be talking probably once a week, doing mostly baseball. I'll have my uh, next week, I'll have my next uh, Beat Crystals to go over. Till next time.